Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. I have a question for all of you. Which patron saint do you invoke when you have technology issues? Well, today is the feast day of St. Isidore of Sabia, St. Isidore of Seville, Spain. And in 1997, Pope St. John Paul II uh, made uh, St. Isidore of Seville, Spain, the patron saint of the Internet. Uh, He's uh, known as the last great philosopher. But if you have computer issues, if you are into IT, if you develop software technology, this is your man. St. Isidore of Seville, Spain, The feast day today, April 4th, 2019. Good morning to all of you. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. This is Real Presence Live. And let us begin with this prayer. Lord, through the intercession of St. Isidore, Bishop and Doctor, during our journeys through the Internet, may you direct our hands and eyes only to that which is pleasing to you and treat with charity and patience all those souls whom we encounter. I hope you're all having a good start to your day. I have here Ashley Hilton with me. She is a paraprofessional here at Trinity Elementary East. I'm coming to you live from Trinity Elementary East in Dickinson, North Dakota. Ashley, good morning to you. Good morning. You have a fan club in Winona, and I know that they're listening. They are. They are listening for us this morning. Thanks for uh, taking care of me this morning. And I want to bring on now Aaron Breen, the Real Presence Live production manager. Aaron, good morning to you. Good morning, man, senior. How are you doing this morning? I am well. This is your third show I've heard. That is correct. And as they say, what do they say? Third time's the charm. <laughs> you got it. Give us a preview of our show today. Absolutely. We have a great show coming up today. In the first hour, we're going to have Dr. Eileen Stone answering questions about screen time for kids and how it affects their mental health. After that, get those questions ready. Monsignor Schumacher will be in the hot seat to take your questions about faith and the things going on in our world. Then in that second hour, Peter Martin will offer his thoughts on how we can form an intimate friendship with Jesus and if it's more than just a woman's thing. Also, hear how you can answer the call as a layperson to serve the church with Father Charles Lockwitzer. All this and more coming up on Real Presence Live. Back to you, Monsignor. Aaron, uh, I saw the movie Unplanned on Tuesday. Uh, have you have you uh, seen the movie Unplanned? Not yet, but I'm looking forward to it. The story of Abby Johnson. There were several private showings here uh, in, in the city of Dickinson throughout the last uh, few days. And our, our uh, Catholic high school uh, attended that as well. In fact, Abby Johnson is going to be in Dickinson, North Dakota tonight. No way. At the, uh, we have uh, the uh, Connect Medical Banquet. 
Uh, Abby Johnson is the featured uh, guest speaker. Uh, that's that's tonight uh, uh, at 6 p.m. at the Astoria. It, it all it all kicks off. I'll be leading the benediction there. It's a it's a banquet. It's a it's a fundraising. It's a, it's a faith event at the Astoria Hotel and Conference Center. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm taking my staff. So that's what that's what I'm doing tonight. What are you doing, Aaron, tonight? Do you know yet? Let me bounce that off you. I, you know, Monsignor, I'm going to be taking care of my wife and kid. There you go. And that's that's uh, a great way to spend the day. And we're going to check in with you later on the show. Does that sound good? Sounds great, Monsignor. Thanks for taking care of us. Again, St. Isidore of Seville, Spain, in 1997, Pope St. John Paul II made him the patron saint of the Internet. He is the patron saint of technology. I'm at my worst when I have computer issues, technology issues. I got the saint figured out whom I invoke uh, when, I, when I have something lost. But when you have a technology issue and they creep up before you even know they're there, uh, St. Isidore of Seville, Spain. Uh, he was uh, canonized during the 8th Council of Toledo, and uh, he was very, very involved in the councils of uh, Toledo, or what you could say Toledo, but uh, Toledo, Spain. Uh, the, and so, some of them are very interesting to look into, by the way. They, they, they deal with the, the, the wills of Christ. One will, two will, all of that was uh, developing around that time. He died in 636 on this day in Seville, Spain. Bishop of Seville, St. Isidore of Seville, pray for us as we begin our day. So what is a, what is a better guest than, than uh, Dr. Eileen Stone? I have Dr. Eileen Stone is my first guest, and we're going to talk now about, about technology. Dr. Eileen Stone is a licensed clinical psychologist. Uh, Dr. Stone, good morning to you. Good morning, Monsignor. Thank you for being my first guest today. You're a great guest on this feast day. Tell us a little about yourself. I am a practicing primarily child and adolescent psychologist in Fargo, um, and I work with kids with a whole host of medical and emotional illnesses um, and a few adults here and there for the same things. We're going to talk about technology and in particular youth, uh, Dr. Eileen uh, the, mm -hmm. uh, and first of all, let, let me say this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be 52 years old on, on uh, uh, Saturday, and, and, and I, I'm happy that I was raised in the 80s. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy. I, and you know what? Quite frankly, I, I got the best of it. I was raised without social media the way we have it today, but I, but I still get to enjoy it in my life uh, at the age of 52 on Saturday. I, I can't imagine being a parent with these issues, so much good comes from technology, so many challenges, and its effect on mental health. How does technology affect our young people? Sure. You know, and you kind of hit the, the nail on the head with what you said, is there's a lot of advantages. So it, there are many resources, um, access to information that we wouldn't have had, academic skills, even hand-eye coordination with a video game. We forget about things like that. So there's a lot of positives with um, technology. But what we're focusing on more, I think, today is the, those drawbacks and those negatives. And, you know, there's starting to be some studies that have shown that as technology use increases, mental health issues increase, like depression and anxiety, 
um, a lot of emotional liability, moods all over the place after kids have been been immersed in their electronics. Um, and then sleep hygiene goes down and kids aren't getting enough sleep. Their school performance can go down. Um, their ability to focus gets kind of all over the place. And then um, there's an increase in loneliness that kids will report the more screen time they have. Screen time is uh, something that I try and uh, take care of in my life. Uh, take care of in the sense that I, I try not to look at my phone all day. But, mm-hmm. but you know what, everything is on my phone. You know, mm-hmm. as, I, as, as the uh, Director of Continuing Education for Clergy for the Diocese of Bismarck, you know, we have, a, we have an upcoming conference this spring. All, all my contracts uh, for, for the hotels are on my, uh, on my phone. I approve all, uh, my speakers, uh, my Internet, of course, and all the communications with my staff. Uh, you, you cannot help but look at the phone. And uh, it's got to be hours and hours and hours. I saw somewhere that kids uh, are, are looking at their screens sometimes. And by screen, I mean not just their phone, but a computer or what have you, up to six to eight hours a day. Is that possible? And h- how, much, how much is recommended, Dr. Eileen? Sure. Um, you know, we all are very connected and we all spend too much time on our screens. And we forget that TV is still a screen that counts as a screen. That's right. I don't, I, I don't um, count that, but yeah, you're right. Yep, it, it still does technically count when they add up the hours. Um, and I was looking up some research and I found that um, 20% of teenagers will spend more than seven hours of the day on their electronics. Um, and that's outside of their school time. Do do you think they get too much time? Yes. Um, Almost everyone, unless they're limited, um, either by their own activities or by someone on the outside. Um, What's recommended, and, you know, we forget that even the littlest of the littles are on screen sometimes. Under two, it's recommended that they have zero screen time hours. (laughs) I can can imagine that. Um, um, but we see little ones, you know, toddlers with the screen watching their shows and those kind of things. 3 to 18, ages 3 to 18, the American Academy of Pediatrics has recommended no more than two hours of screen time every day. And that includes um, and now, that includes TV, right? That includes TVs, phones, laptops, computers, and video games. Uh, wow. Um, and so it's, it's a lot smaller than most kids are getting most kids are not getting that seven eight hours a day but they do have the screens at school now a lot of schools have a laptop for the kids they're doing all their homework and so this is even in addition to that learning that they're doing on the screen this is real presence live my first guest is dr eileen stone she is a licensed clinical psychologist we're talking about technology issues with our youth and how they affect our young people. We're we're beginning this topic because of today's feast day of St. Sevilla of Spain, St. Isidore of of Sevilla. Remember, there's also St. Isidore the farmer. His feast day is May 5th. Today, April 4th, uh, St. Isidore of Seville, Spain, and he's a patron saint of technology, of the Internet. And so this is, a, this is a great topic for us. And I'm coming to you live right now from Trinity Elementary East 
and uh, our students are filing in for mass this morning. There are 75 students here at Trinity Elementary East in Dickinson. There's also the School of Trinity Elementary West, Trinity Elementary North, and of course our Trinity Junior High and High School, uh, a wonderful K-12 through Catholic system here in the city. And I'm coming to you live from Trinity Elementary East. And Dr. Eileen is my first guest. Um, can we talk about parental uh, help? Um, how, what advice do you have for, for parents, not only just to monitor their, their child's time on the screen, but to, um, to limit it and, and to, to do it in a way that, that is effective? Sure. Yeah, the, the things that I really work on with parents is, one, an age-appropriate level. We're going to supervise a middle school or elementary student differently and more intensely probably than the senior in high school. So you want to be developmentally appropriate, and you want to know what your kids are capable of. So if your kids are, very, you know, mature and responsible, they're still going to ha- need supervision, but less so than a kid who's impulsive or um, less regulated. Um, and parents can take an active role in teaching how to use the, the Internet and how to use their electronics. Um, in a healthy way, in a balanced way, in an appropriate way. And some of that is educating themselves. So knowing what the kids know, um, knowing where they're going, um, having them use their electronics in a common space rather than hold up in the bedroom with their door shut. Um, there are a lot of apps out there that can assist parents um, that you put the app on the kid's phone and your phone, and then you can monitor kind of their time on the um, internet and their time on their devices um and then just really making sure that kids know that parents have a right to access the things they're doing it's to to watch them play their games to listen to who they're connecting with um you know, just kind of really that supervision like you would do when your kids in the 80s like those of us growing up then <laughs> our parents kind of you know, they didn't know every detail what we were doing, but they could see us out in the street or they could drop us off at the mall. They knew where we were and what we were doing. We need to have that presence with those kids. Uh, here, here's a thought, Dr. Eileen. There, there, ha- there has to be a, a real opportunity uh, to, 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 to make a living developing an app to, to monitor your child's uh, screen time or phone mm-hmm. time. Do, do you have a couple you can recommend to parents listening right now? You know, I don't, there's so many out there that it's, it's hard. I know at our house um, we have, it's called Circle by Disney, and it's a modem that tracks every electronic in our house. Um, and I can just hit pause and the, the Internet is stopped for the house. Um, and then there's, there's an app, like it's called Bark, and it will monitor. It doesn't monitor everything your child's doing, but it looks for alerts. So key phrases for safety, cyberbullying, suicide, and it will send an alert if those contents are coming up in anything that the child is using. So those are two that come to mind, but there are lots of good ones out there, and parents talking to other parents could really find some of those. Absolutely. Um, this, this is a, a, a great way to start our, our show, Dr. Stone. Is there anything else you'd like to add? You know, I think the, the two last things I can think of is striving for balance between our electronics and our sleep and our physical activity and our real people time. And also um, that parents need to remember that they're models for their kids 
So if our face is always in our screen, yeah, our kids know that. And so we want to be a model for healthy electronic use too. Yeah, and, and the more I put my phone down, uh, the, the, the happier uh, I, I, I become. Uh, but then, you know, you've got people trying to get a hold of you. But, but the, the power of example, uh, it's, it's a great conclusion, Dr. Stone. Thank you. Well, I, I wish you continued uh, <laughs> blessings in, in your work as a licensed clinical psychologist. I, I know that you rely on God's grace a lot to, in your help of, of people, and thank you for uh, being on the air with me today. Yes, thank you, and happy birthday. Uh, thank you. It is coming up. Thank you very much. That is Dr. Eileen Stone. I want to thank her for being on me on the uh, show this morning. Uh, we we begin with um, uh, this really important issue about technology and 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 youth. Um, like we said, the technology today does so much good. I mean, imagine imagine the research I, I could have had with, with the technology today when I was uh, writing my uh, papers and doing my studies in the seminary. Uh, I mean, we, we, had, we actually had to, to re- read a book, uh, which you still do, but uh, imagine, imagine all the information I could have had when I was studying uh, 20 years ago. But there's also a lot of pitfalls. There, there's also a lot of abuses. And uh, technology and how we moderate it and how we continue to use the good through it is a, is a good way to start our show on this feast day of St. Isidore of Seville, Spain. And uh, so I want to thank her for, for, being on, for being on the show. My name is Monsignor Schumacher, and we're going to take a short break. Next, coming up next, is, is, is uh, Straight Talk. If you have questions for me or related to your faith, related to anything, really, I mean, we can, we, I suppose we can talk about Harley-Davidson's. I'm about to uncover mine and take mine out for a ride. But anything happening in the world around us, uh, I'll take on any topic. I, I'm not saying it's going to be in a brilliant fashion. Uh, during straight talk, in the end, I hope to do more good than harm. And uh, plus, then after that, we're going to talk about our intimate relationship with our Lord on Real Presence Live. We, we have a great uh, show coming up for you. Uh, Ashley Hilton is uh, taking care of me here at Trinity Elementary East, where we're coming to you live. My name is Monsignor Schumacher, and we will be back in just one moment. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. You've got Real Presence Radio right now. If you're listening to it, you're probably sitting back saying, Huh, Real Presence Radio is a huge part of the driving culture of promoting Catholicism. And it is. I mean, how many commercials have you heard from previous interviews, especially people calling into this network saying, You know, you have changed my life. I was driving. I travel a lot. You know, I, I was laid up. For whatever reason, I'm you know I was at home. I was listening to that particular program or, or that teaching, and it totally changed my life. So it's not just happenstance that this is working the way that it does. The Holy Spirit can connect with people on a multiple or multiple different levels, and the radio network is one. And the Spirit's telling you, you know what? Be a part of this mission. Help me save souls. Keep uh, you know RPR on on the live network so people uh, have this beautiful ministry available. To- This is Cindy Detterman from St. Joseph's in Brooks. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Radio. 
Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio. Did you know the signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming? Have you ever thought about running radio spots on the RPR network? We want to partner with you to help gain exposure for your business in front of a very faithful customer base. To find out more about your options, please call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. Rochester Catholic Schools welcomes you to an all-new Hearts of Gold, Friday, April 26, starting at 6.30 p.m. at the brand-new Hilton in downtown Rochester. The event's theme is Cirque in the City, and there will be a cocktail party atmosphere with cuisine available at several unique food stations, plus a VIP hour at 5.30. Individual tickets and host table options are available by visiting rcs.com mn.org backslash hearts of gold we all appreciate the comforting things in life great food laughter celebrating mass together and friendships here at riverview we have all those things and more hi i'm carrie Dew, executive director with senior independent living apartments and our crosshaven neighborhood for those seniors who need a little more assistance it is the sense of community here that makes riverview home to all of us Contact me, Carrie Dew, or Kelly Brecky for a tour at 701-237-4700 or online at homeishere.org. You're listening to the RPR Network. Now back to more Real Presence Live. Thank you. It's great to be live again with you. This is Real Presence Live. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. I'm coming to you live today from Trinity Elementary East. This is a Catholic school in Dickinson, North Dakota. The students right now are in mass with Father Jordan Dosh. They're going to come out here in about 20 minutes. There's 75 students here. Our system here has nearly 500 K through 12. And uh, it's uh, great to be in the school here uh, today. Uh, Ashley Hilton is a paraprofessional here at Trinity Elementary East. And she's, uh, uh, I'm too old to get this all hooked up, and she's keeping us on the air. Ashley, good morning to you again. Good morning. What, what do you have scheduled today at Trinity Elementary East? Well, Anything? Not, nothing out of the ordinary, just a... Uh a good day here, you know. It's Thursday. We're working towards Easter. And uh, by the way, tomorrow, here, here's a little, uh, you, you know this, uh, Ashley. A lot, a lot of people ask me, why, why, why does Easter uh, change every year? Why, why does the date of Easter move? Well, the, the, the answer is because Easter falls on the first Sunday after the first full moon in the spring equinox. So what we, my whole point is tomorrow, uh, we, have, we have the new moon, and then two weeks from tomorrow, we have the full moon on Good Friday. Uh, so uh, it's always, it's al- whenever I go to Mass on Holy Thursday or Good Friday, I always look up at night, there's gonna be a full moon because it, it follows that lunar uh, calendar uh, so just a little bit of uh, lunar information for you, Ashley. You're from Winona. you got family listening there. I do. I do. My dad and my sister are on their way out. Uh, they sent a text. Well, say, say hi to them. Hello, Dad and Brooke. They are, are on Amber. How are you guys? We're, uh, we're doing well here. Yes. This week is uh, Leitare week. It's, this is the fourth uh, week of, of Lent. And uh, I, I spoke briefly about what this week means to us. 
in my homilies this past weekend, and maybe it's good for us to be to be reminded here again. Laetare is the Latin word which means to rejoice, and you probably saw your priest wear uh, rose uh, vestments, uh, the the color of joy, and uh, but 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 above all, uh, and we we of course we had the gospel from the prodigal son, where we heard the father uh, who said we must rejoice. Uh, he said to uh, the older brother, who was kind of uh, bent out of shape, uh, maybe for good reason, but the father said to the older son, we must rejoice because your brother who was dead has come back to life. He was lost and is now found. And I, I, and I, I, think, I think we forget the joy that God the Father has whenever we turn to him. But I asked uh, my faithful, I asked myself this weekend, you know, how joyful are we? And remember, joy, joy is different than happiness, which is an emotion. Joy is more of a state of the soul. Uh, you know, happiness can be like a reaction to something outside of ourselves. Uh, like uh, w hitting green lights in a row always makes me happy until I get to the red one. This is an emotion which comes and goes. But happiness is, is not a reaction. Joy, uh, happiness is a reaction. Joy is more of a reality in me. And we need to pray for that gift of joy. That doesn't really come from what I do. Joy comes from realizing in my life what's been, what's been done for me. And when we look at our faith, we, we know all that's, that's truly been, been done for us. Uh, joy is knowing what's been done for me. And, of course, that's, that's why we, we have the image of the crucified Lord before us in so many of our churches. What the, the greatest act done for us in its sadness it brings us joy knowing what that what that truly means for us and i also quoted saint paul uh, many people confuse joy with happiness well, I, I've, I've had over 700 funeral masses in my life as, as as a priest and and i've often said more than once during a during a liturgy during a funeral mass that although today is a sad day uh, today is also a day of of joy uh, knowing that we're commending a, a, a life well lived to our Lord, indeed it is a sad day. When, whenever someone whom we love dies, a part of us dies too. That, that's true. But it's also a joyful day, knowing that this is not the end, knowing that there is hope, and knowing that Christ has prepared a place for this person as, as he said uh, that he would do, that he would go and prepare a place for us in his, in his father's house. So joy is not necessarily a happy day, but it is knowing what's been done for us. St. Paul wrote what? St. Paul wrote, with all my affliction, I am overjoyed. So it, it's true that whatever is going on in my life, I, I, I can be joyful. Whatever is going on in my life, I can truly be joyful. That is what Laetare Sunday reminds us. And uh, it, it's, as we work our way toward Easter, it's good to, to be reminded of that. This Sunday we have, from the Gospel of John, 
the story of the woman caught in adultery. And this is, uh, this is by the way, a story, as we moved to John, th this is a story that could be said was not originally found in the Gospel of John. It, it, uh, some historians, uh, scholars, and believe me, I'm not one of them, some scholars have said that the Gospel we're about to hear this Sunday uh, was probably inserted into the Gospel around the 4th century, uh, they say that for the reason that the, the story of the woman caught in adultery is, is a story that, that really sounds like Luke, the, the Gospel of Luke. It sounds like a, a, a controversy story. Uh, where, where, where what? Where, where the, the uh, scribes and the Pharisees uh, are, 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 are trying to bring our Lord a, a situation where no matter what he says, recommends he will be wrong. The, these controversy stories are very popular in Luke and now we have one in the Gospel of John chapter 8 coming up this weekend. So what, what happens? This woman is caught in adultery. Uh, the Mosaic law said that she must be stoned. The Roman law said that the Jews cannot level the death penalty. So whatever our Lord would choose he would be wrong and there will be no stoning in this gospel because the Lord bends down and starts writing in the sand. What does he write in the sand? The best explanation I've ever heard is he writes in the sand the sins of the scribes and Pharisees. The Bible tells us they go away one by one as he writes their sins and then he uh, forgives the woman which reminds us that God does not want us to dwell in the guilt of our past. That's the whole beauty of the gospel we're about to hear this Sunday of the woman caught in adultery. Uh, if, if there is one story where our Lord truly cares for the sinner and wants us to move on from the sins of our past, it's the gospel we're going to hear uh, this Sunday. And, 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 then, and then, then we have Palm Sunday after that. And it, it even gets better as we hear uh, the, the passion. And remember, we always hear the passion again on Good Friday. Good Friday, it's always from the Gospel uh, of John as we move into Holy Week and as we move into, uh, begin to move into the Easter season. And then I can't even, I can't even say uh, enough about the, uh, the, the Easter readings we have. The, the weeks following Easter are my favorite readings where, where the church reemerges, the church reorganizes after actually seeing the risen Lord. They, they, af after the crucifixion, they all go back to their, to their fishing, they leave. And then these readings we hear at the Easter. So look forward to what we're going to hear uh, in the next few weeks. Some of the best of the best, I say, of our Lord's life, death, and resurrection, and the hope that it brings to us. So we're not, we're not going to move into straight talk. When you hear this sound effect, please call, and you're hearing it now, 877-795-0122. Send in your questions or comments. I'm not an expert. I'm just a radio host, and I hope to do, as I said, more good than harm on Straight Talk, 877-795-0122. We want to hear from our listeners. And wh what we do is uh, you have a question, you may know the answer, and maybe I can give you a different perspective uh, through a Catholic lens. 
uh, but but remember that uh, this is a time for you to to ask uh, questions and um, let's uh, see what we have here I have a listener question on 1280 bill thank you for listening on 1280 uh, and this is coming in on my whiteboard bill asks uh, f the first question on this segment of straight talk what's the best way to support our parish priests their life can be so lonely so how can we as parishioners best help them and approach them to offer them help uh, bill thanks for your question you know when i was in the seminary uh anticipating my life as a as a diocesan uh, parish priest i was imagining my life to be very very lonely I was imagining that after every Sunday I would have all these masses in front of hundreds of people and then everybody would leave and then I would return to my rectory and then I would be lonely. And remember, being lonely is different than being alone. Uh, I would say that that, that uh, thought that I had of how my life would be uh, did not turn out to be uh, true at all. And uh, what, I, what I've discovered of what I've tried to do in my life as a priest is find alone time so that I can, so that I can recharge. Uh, to, to, get, to get to the root of your question, Bill, I, I think each priest is going to require something different depending on his temperament. Uh, some uh, extroverts... Uh, would like you to support him by by hanging out with him after all of his work. Uh, introverts uh, can be supported by leaving them alone after all of their works. We know it's not just with priests. We're human beings just like everybody else. It's also that way in marriage. Uh, some couples need uh, alone time. Some peop uh, couples need more time together. But I think you can help us above all by praying for us, and uh, I, I think the best way that you can support me as a parish priest is to encourage me in my work, to, to work with me. Uh, I, I always hope to lead my parish forward, and I hope to lead my parish forward together. I, I'm the leader of it, but I cannot achieve it on my own. So I, I appreciate the support of my people. I, I appreciate uh, the, the honest uh, uh, comments of my people. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, let's all remember that Catholics love their priests. All right, they they love us. They uh, but they 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 also want to be loved by us. And uh, the, the 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 Catholic faithful know uh, when their priests don't love them. Uh, and uh, that that is uh, that is above all what we need to do. Uh, Pope Saint John Paul II wrote that powerful letter of Pastora Stabovobis. Uh, I will give you shepherds, pastoras, shepherds, dabovobis. I will give you shepherds. It begins by saying, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. As we, uh, uh, as priests, strive to be uh, shepherds after our Lord's own heart, I pray that your priests may be shepherds after the heart of the good shepherd, uh, Jesus Christ. We got another uh, question coming in. Uh, in the reading this morning, it talks about uh, the Lord relented in his punishment he had threatened to inflict on his people after he spoke with 
with Moses? Uh, does this mean that Moses changed God's mind? Remember, the, there, are, there are many genres of the Old Testament, and uh, what it means is uh, that Moses revealed the, the mind of God. Uh, I, I think it's going to take more than more than Moses to to change the mind of God, uh, but uh, we we ca you could say this. You could say that there are some things I will only get if I pray for them, so that if I pray for them, I will change the will of God. But the fact of the matter is, God knew we would pray for them. So I, I wouldn't say that uh, Moses changed the mind of God. I would say that Moses in his faith brought, brought God's will of whatever it would be uh, to God. And uh, so I would look at that. I would look at that that way. Got a question here on, uh, it's coming up on uh, beauty. Uh, why why uh, are some churches uh, so different uh, now than they were uh, after the Vatican Council II as compared to the past? Well, I don't know. I, th th this this can be a whole uh, a radio show here as we talk about as we talk about uh, uh, holy spaces and and beauty. I, I've been privileged in my life as a priest uh, to to be involved uh, with uh, s some projects that have that have uh, renewed holy spaces. Um, I I did St. Joseph's in Mandan, North Dakota, in 2009. St. Wenceslas here. Uh, Trinity Elementary East is connected to St. Wenceslaus Catholic Church right on the other side of the door here where Father Dosh is having Mass. Uh, I did that church in 2015. Our new Trinity High School in uh, Dickinson here, uh, the, the chapel, uh, was built uh, in, in 2016. Uh, designed and uh, done very beautifully and and by the way that's named the Pope St. John Paul II Chapel and um, uh, they, they we, we have one of the few relics of Pope St. John Paul II in the upper Midwest in that chapel. He, he, here's what I'll say uh, when, when I when I when I look at renovating you can call it renewing uh, they say renovating is a bad word. W when I when I when I uh, look at a church to to Im to improve it, uh, the first thing is remember that that this worship space is very dear to people. It may be the only constant thing in their life, and so when you change it, you have to do it very carefully so that it's effective. But but above all, in the end, it's beauty. Uh, people respond to beauty. Uh, pe people want their their church to look different than their home or their movie theater uh, because beauty still grips people. Uh, I, I have Dr. Leroy Husingay uh, speak to the new priest of the Diocese of Bismarck here in our new priest workshop. I, I schedule him periodically as a director of education here in the Diocese of Bismarck. He, 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 he speaks about the, the, the power of beauty still able to, to grip people. We know that uh, it's one of the uh, transcendentals. Beauty, truth, and goodness are, are the three highest classes of things that are and that can be spoken of. Uh, and we, we know that, that beauty uh, still speaks to one's soul. Uh, he, uh, beauty beauty uh, drives us to prayer, and prayer drives us to love, and love drives us to adoration, which is the proper re response of, uh, of love. So uh, I, I always work 
to to improve a space by by making a space in in my mind hopefully uh, m more beautiful uh, as as dr Husengay once said beauty can still shock people awaken people grip people uh, because why because god is beauty because saint augustine said late have i loved thee o beauty so um when it comes to architecture when it comes to our our spaces uh, not only must they be beautiful they, they must be tidy uh, there's there's nothing worse than a a, a cluttered uh, a, a cluttered church and uh, just remember that that a a as the church strives uh, to 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 promote truth and goodness it must it must do so within the walls of beauty uh, so that all three transcendentals are uh, are are lined up we know that Dostoevsky once said beauty will save the world and I uh, I once said beauty will save the church so that's that comment there when you talk about church architecture you sometimes better be careful of what you say this is Monsignor Schumacher and I am in the middle of straight talk the number is eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two we'd like to hear from you and um, I'm coming to you live from Trinity Elementary East this is connected to st. Wenceslaus Catholic Church in Dickinson our 75 students here are about to be let out of mass Father Jordan Dosh, my parochial vicar, is concluding Mass here this morning. You're going to hear the students walk on by, and we'll probably get a few of them on the air uh, before we're, we're done here uh, today. Got an anonymous question from Fargo on Straight Talk. The question is, why did Jesus wash the feet of the apostles at the end of the Last Supper? Well, we know that we know that a, a lot happened at the Last Supper. We, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke ha have the Last Supper. We 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 know that uh, it 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 happened, and many things happened at the Last Supper. Uh, we also know that John does not have the Last Supper story. Remember, the Gospel of John is from a it's it's from a it's from a, a different. Uh, but an orthodox tradition. John has the beautiful chapter 6, the Bread of Life Discourse. There, There is nothing more beautiful than an understanding of the Catholic meaning of the Eucharist than John chapter 6. If you want to read that, uh, I, I recommend you, you do that. And it's hard to deny the, the real presence of the body and blood of Christ in the bread and wine of the Catholic Eucharist once you read John chapter 6. But getting back to the synoptic tradition, in the synoptic tradition of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we have our, our Lord uh, you know, doing a lot of teaching. This is where our Lord said, I am the vine, you are the branches. This is where our Lord, th 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 this is where Jesus said he was going to prepare a place for them. Uh, and this is al also where he instituted the Eucharist, and it was the birthday of the priesthood. Uh, and the, the students here at Trinity Elementary East filing by after their conclusion of Mass, they've just lived that, they've lived that Eucharist. We begin our day er, every day here at uh, Trinity Elementary East with, with the Holy Mass, and then we, we go on to our work. It's, it's important that we, we always begin our day with, with prayer. 
and 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 with 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 the hope of uh, the Holy Mass for sure. But why did Jesus wash the feet? Jesus washed the feet, of course, to give us an example, an example of service. And so uh, the, he also gave us the great commandment uh, uh, of service. Uh, and, and Jesus, like none other in no other religion, told us that if we want to be great, we must be the servant of all. And to be the servant of all means that we uh, have very, very dramatic images of service and there's not a more dramatic image of service than the washing of feet because nobody wants to have their feet washed. I'll wash feet here on Holy Thursday at St. Wenceslas and uh, actually Father Dosh will. He's a celebrant uh, this year at our at our Holy uh, Thursday Mass and uh, to, to solicit people to have their feet washed I, I think I could. It's easier to solicit people to have a probably a, a, a root canal, but uh, it, because that that was Peter's response. Lord, you're not washing my feet, and uh, and and our Lord said, if, if I'm not washing your feet, you're, you're not a, you're not a part of, of of this kingdom, because this kingdom is not about greatness; it's about service. So uh, th there's nothing more beautiful uh, during that Holy Thursday liturgy whereby uh, the, 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 the priest comes out, washes feet of 12 people, and reminds us that that is what we are to do uh, for, for one another. So th the Last Supper I have carved in my altar here at St. Wenceslas. We look at that and we look at the image of the 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 crucifix the last supper is where our lord gave us his body and blood to feed us and where he told us of the promises before he would he would die on the cross so look forward to that the holy triduum coming up uh, triduum means 3 days and uh and uh the three holiest days of course are holy thursday and uh, Good Friday and um, Easter, the Easter Vigil, right? Got a question coming up here on church teaching and politics. Uh, kind of feel like I'm being set up. But uh, there, there's, there's some good things that can be, can be said about uh, Catholic uh, church teaching and politics. Uh, the, uh, you know, f first let me start off by saying this. I remember Pope St. John Paul II saying, and I, I, I know that I quote him a lot, but he, he, was, he was the, the Pope of my time in, 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 when I was in the depth of my formation. Uh, I, I remember Pope St. John Paul II saying, uh, if, by, if by politics you mean people treating people, if by politics you mean how people treat people, he said, yes, the Catholic Church is a political church. Now, we, we know that we don't endorse parties, but what, what, what he's saying is politics is how, how, we, how we live together. And I, 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 re I remember my, my government teacher in high school telling us how it's a, the process where we uh, try to allocate scarce and comp competitive resources. That, that's what politics does, uh, to, to try and do it in a peaceful way. But, uh, but I, I will say this. Uh, when I talk about politics and the Catholic Church, I, I always turn to the catechism and I direct people to what, what's called the, the, the duty of citizens. Uh, 
Uh, this is in the, the 2200s, I believe, in your, in your Catechism of the Catholic Church. There, there are several duties there. Uh, which fall under family values, the fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. There is the duties of children, the duties of parents, uh, by the way, the duties of those in authority, and then the, the duties of, of citizens. And in the duties of citizens, I, I think it, it, it sums up well, reminding us that, that we, we as citizens are, are, are to work with legitimate authorities. Uh, we are to work uh, in, in the service of the common good uh, so that we can fulfill our role uh, in in the in the life of of, of the uh, the world and the but but also remember it also reminds us that citizens are obliged in conscience not to follow the directives of civil authorities when they are contrary to the demands of the moral order and uh, so uh, turn to that and, and by the way First Timothy two <coughs> chapter two tells us to pray for those to pray for those in authority. Question coming in. Uh, Robin from Bismarck. Uh, it sounds like we're on the air in Bismarck. Robin, thank you for listening. North Dakota just appealed the Sunday Blue Laws, where businesses uh, were not open on, on Sunday uh, mornings. Uh, by the way, I did research on why that's called a Blue Law, and it's kind of, it, there, 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 there's a lot of different uh, symbols of what, of what the blue sign meant. Uh, yeah, we we had we had blue laws. The, the blue laws, remember, were were continually reduced uh, to allow stations, gas stations, and movie theaters, and then and then only from midnight to noon. The, the, this blue law, by the way, has been chipped at for decades. Number one. But uh, let me finish the question. Uh, the people pushing the law said that people should have the freedom to determine whether or not they will shop or open their businesses Sunday mornings. Uh, what about the freedom of the workers uh, to be able to rest that morning and worship? Uh, I'm not sure that when they rest they usually do worship, but they, still they deserve that time. Um, what is the Catholic view on, on, on that topic? Well, we, we turn to the, the Lord's Day to, to remember to keep holy uh, the Lord's Day. Um, it's the, it's the third commandment. Let me go through that a little bit, and then I'll comment on on uh, uh, buying uh, uh, buying Q-tips at Walmart uh, before noon. Uh, the the third commandment of of to remember to keep holy the Lord's day uh, reminds us that we need to take a break from our labor. It reminds us that we don't live to work. It reminds us that we work so that we may live. We work so that we may have a living. And um, workaholism uh, is not just an, ad an addiction. It, it's, it's an escapism. Uh, when, I, when I'm overworked, I don't have to reflect on, on myself which some people want to avoid, and so they just work, work, work. The commandment to remember to keep holy the Lord's day reminds us that we have to take a break from our work. And we do that as a, as, so that we can be renewed. And, and, and the, the, the Christian holy day of Sunday, because of our Lord's resurrection, offers these elements, 
rest and adoration. Uh, and and so, uh, you know, I I I I always said, you know, can't we at least have uh, twelve hours? Remember that the Sunday blue law was chipped away at, and we were left finally with uh, midnight uh, to to uh, to to noon on on Sunday uh, for for retail. All right, you could still. You could still buy buy gas, I guess, and, you know. But and, uh, you could still buy retail. You could still buy a pop in there. But uh, and and now that that's been done away. I I think I think uh, the, the the heavy lobby came uh, from from the east, uh, Fargo Moorhead, with, with with shopping, where you know you could you could shop in Moorhead, but you couldn't shop in Fargo. Uh, that that had something to do with it, and but I but I always said, and my my mom and dad always taught me, if if we can't take if we can't take twelve hours off, out of one hundred and sixty four hours in the week, uh, then all we're going to do is work 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 work, and and I guess this is this is where we are, uh, government. Uh, Governor Burgum said that he he thinks that uh, business owners are going to be responsible. Um, and all I got to say is this, Robin, you asked about the freedom of workers to be able to rest that morning and worship. And I, 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 I hate to tell you this, but, uh, you know, the, the worker may need to get a different job if that worker is now called to, to, to work on, on Sunday, uh, morning in particular. And I, I, and I, we, we probably found a good medium when, when, when the blue law was reduced. Re and this is the, uh, don't, let's not act like the blue law just entirely went away, okay? This blue law has been chipped at for decades, and we were, we were left to retail from midnight to noon. Uh, and it, 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 uh, it would seem demoralizing to me to have to work on a, on a Sunday morning, but on, on the other hand, uh, I, it's, my, it's my busiest time of the week. But the, I, that's what I've chosen. I'm a Catholic priest, and you know we have Mondays off and, and all of that. But what about law enforcement? What about first responders? There, there, there's a lot of services we need on Sunday. If we're called to work on Sunday, we need to find some other day of, of rest. You're listening to Straight Talk. Remember, this is Monsignor Schumacher, your host. I'm not claiming to have the answers. I'm just claiming to do, hoping to do more good than harm during Straight Talk. 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. We have a question coming in about my work for the diocese. Uh, you said that you work for continuing education for priests. Uh, what does that entail? Uh, I uh, here's what it entails. Uh, you know that there are there are there are parish priests, right? Which I am, which I'm happy to be. I, I want nothing more, to be a parish priest. Uh, and but we're also asked to do some different things, and 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 the bishop has uh, people on his diocesan staff. One of the offices on the diocesan staff here, the Diocese of Bismarck, the Office of Continuing Education for Clergy. By, by clergy, I mean priests and, and, and deacons, right? Uh, bishops are also uh, considered clergy, but uh, I, I'm mainly focused with bishops, uh, the, the direction of uh, educating his priests uh, and his deacons. So we bring, every diocese does a different Anne has this question, and I would say that uh, what we do here is we have conferences in the fall and in the spring. Uh, I bring in speakers. We have time together. We have fraternity, camaraderie as priests. 
and uh, we, we here in the Diocese of Bismarck, we, we, we meet in Medora every fall, which is a great hit. And I have a selected hotel that I use in the spring. We're going to be there uh, the second week uh, of Easter. Uh, and uh, I'm bringing in Father Spitzer uh, this year, whom many of you know. Uh, and uh, so we, he's going to speak to us. And he's, he, also, he also will do a laity night, by the way, in Bismarck on the Shroud of Turin. And uh, what, what, that, what that means for us as the relic of our Lord's, uh, uh, of our Lord's resurrection. Um, what I try and do, Anne, is th th there, there's called uh, uh, four pillars of formation for priests, which uh, the bishops want to them to continue in their clergy. The four pillars are, uh, what are they again? Uh, the, there's the human, uh, there's the spiritual, uh, there's, the, there, there's the intellectual, and, and there's the pastoral. Uh, so priests are formed in the seminary in these pillars. Uh, the, the human element, what does it mean for me to be a human being? What does it mean for me to be a spiritual being? What does it mean for me to, to have an intellect and to form my intellect? What does it mean for me to be pastoral? A pastor. I can be, I can be smart. I can be a great preacher, but I can be a, a worthless pastor. Uh, we, we need to be a pastor in the model of our Lord is the good shepherd. And so uh, for me to form my human component, my intellectual component, my spiritual com component, uh, but, but I, I can't make it work in a parish as a parish priest, that's a problem. Uh, the, the, the bishop sends me here to, to, to lead this parish of 850 families forward. He sends me out here to lead this parish forward together. And, and that, that the pastoral element in the priest is a, is, is a, needs to be formed as well. You, you have to be savvy. You, you have to work with people. You have to listen to people. And uh, yes, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not always right. I, in, in, the, in the last 25, I said 25 years of my priesthood celebrated this, this, uh, this summer. And as, as I reflect on my uh, 25 years, I thought of some of the decisions I made in my, in my 25 years. And I just thought, my God, forgive me. We have uh, someone on the phone, Mary from Long Valley, South Dakota. Uh, Mary, thanks for listening. And what's your question? Hi, thank you. My question is, in regards to 1 Timothy 4.10, where it says he is the Savior of all people, especially believers. And I was wondering, considering that verse, and Jesus is the Savior of all people, what is the role of election in the plan of God, and what is the purpose of believing of the believers in that? All right. Um, indeed. Uh, starting with that Timothy quote, uh, our Lord has, his, has saved all of us. His death, or let me put it to you this way, his death is enough to save all people. All right. But people also have to accept it. And the, the, the whole notion of, of the elect are those who, through God's grace, have responded to that salvation but also remember that in the end, there will be people who do not want to be saved. 
and there will be people who who do who want nothing to do with God in as much as they know God and so our salvation is offered to us but our salvation is not forced upon us and I've always said to my converts and in my homilies the role of the Catholic Church is to make that salvation continually available to us or or to inspire my will to continually accept that salvation. So Mary from Long Valley, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I wish I had more time for it. And uh, thank you for that. Uh, this has thank been you. Straight Talk. Thank you and all the best to Long Valley, South Dakota. This is Monsignor Schumacher and we're gonna be back in just uh, one moment. I wanna thank all those who called in. And uh, we have up next, uh, Peter Martin. We're going to talk about forming an intimate relationship with our Lord. It's not just a woman's thing. Religion is not just for men and children. We'll have Peter Martin up next on Real Presence Live. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> 